0: Who wants to talk sports? We do as we kick off this great sports weekend coming off the Thanksgiving holiday. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with the irreverent John Riley. We're broadcasting from our Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, a special holiday edition as we head towards the weekend. John, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Boy, do we have a lot of things to talk about as we move towards a big weekend in sports.
1: It's amazing how much sports happens during this time frame. There's football like every day of the week. We've got all these college basketball tournaments that are on TV, so this is a great time.
0: We have a wide variety of things we need to do from a business standpoint before we jump into the topics on the table. John, we have crossed the one-year anniversary threshold with our podcast. It Has exploded. Hacksaw's headlines has become very popular on all types of platforms. And as we look towards 2024, we're doing something in addition to what we're doing with the podcast. We're inviting people to join us. Hacksaw's Insiders Group, you created this you explain it to the followers.
1: Yeah. So Hacksaw's Insiders Group, this is your chance to be part of the team. Just go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. In the upper right corner, there's an orange box you can put in your email, get on our list, and you're going to get the best 15 minutes in sports, which is Hacksaw's, you know, the homework that he does prior to these podcasts. You're going to see it all, uh, all the sports data you're going to get. It's fantastic. Plus, we've got a lot of creative things planned for 2024. So join us, sign up at LeeHacksawHamilton.com.
0: And we, invite you to subscribe so you will get the alerts every time we put something else up on our youtube channel and if you got spare time give us a thumbs up and we need five star ratings because it helps our cause and by the way if you like sports you've never checked my website out what's wrong with you it is written (laughs) every day of the week it is a must read a volume of information. If you like what we did in Sports Talk Radio back in the day, guarantee you will like my website, LehacksawHamilton.com. And a reminder, our podcast brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations in San Diego, been in business for more than 100 years. Christmas shopping projects, they will help you. And don't forget to go to com. Check out all the special values as well as the bonus cards they're giving away for the holiday weekend Line lumber and home center stores john topic one it might be middle of football season nba nhl underway we're talking baseball
1: yeah so the padres finally made a decision on a manager i mean what do you think of this hirely uh
0: i like it uh this is old school with new ideas mike schilt gets hired that's quite a resume he had with the st louis cardinals 255 and 199, manager of the year one time, voted in the group for manager of the year the second time, won penance, had a 17-game win streak. Man has accomplished a lot. He inherits an, a lot of uncertainty, and that's a big issue. He says, and his press conference was pretty emotional and it was pretty straightforward. I thought it was very impressive. We're going to carry forward with Peter Seidler's vision, aka get this thing to the World Series. I am excited about my second act. I want to see the best version of myself. He's making reference to what happened to him at the end with the St. Louis Cardinals, where he got fired despite three impressive seasons. He says, My North Star is to win the division, beat the Dodgers and then obviously get the chance to go to the world series says his whole philosophy as a manager and that was minor leagues major leagues all about communications says he likes Manny Machado's smile he likes Joe Musgrove's passion he likes Tatís's energy he says i have an excellent parker to partner to work with in aj preller he said 2023 This team has to learn from that past experience. Says he wants baseball with swagger, but he also wants it with substance. And it was really interesting. He spent a chunk of time talking about a legendary... St. Louis Cardinals coach and administrator by the name of George Kissel. And Kissel is beloved in St. Louis, worked for the Cardinals for 66 years. He's the one that developed the Cardinal way. Mm. And he's the one that hired Tony La Russa and Jim Leland and Joe Torre and recommended Whitey Herzog and then Mike Schilt himself. So he quoted a lot of things that were in the book that George Kissel wrote about the Cardinal way. All that being said, he won the press conference. I was impressed. Guys experienced a lot of positive things. But that's kind of like we said two years ago this week when we were talking about the hiring of Bob Melvin. <laughs> right. I I was of the opinion that AJ Preller hit a home run getting Bob Melvin. This did not work out. This better be a grand slam home run. This hire, because it'll be the last hire that AJ Preller ever makes if it does not work out. Uh, I like it. That being said, they got a roster full of problems. They got a lot of holes on the roster. So this first couple of weeks of December, AJ Perler going to have to go get players for his new manager. Your
1: thoughts on Schilt? It's, I'm curious to see how he's going to do. I, I saw that he talks about being really detail-oriented. He takes a lot of detail notes during the game, so he has very specific things to work with each individual player. That sounds good. He's got a track record, but, you know, I'm not, like, f- jumping to the moon, you know, but this seems like a solid hire, you know, especially since he's been in the organization for two years. So... We're going to see, but it is amazing that A.J. Preller has had how many kicks at the can here
0: for a manager. It's, it's incredible. Well, we went from Bud Black to Pat Murphy to Andy Green to Jace Tingler to Bob Melvin. This guy is and then the Barajas sixth.
1: was in there somewhere, yeah, too. Yeah, well, the,
0: the interim guys, too. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. But uh, let's see what the next two weeks are like in terms of player acquisitions. Because things are starting to happen other places in Major League Baseball. Okay, so we go from Padres. Next team?
1: The Dodgers. You know, you're talking about free agent rumors here? I mean, who does LA got to beat on here?
0: Well, the Dodgers, obviously, everybody of the opinion, are at the front of the line for Shohei Ohtani. I don't know how long a process this is going to be. Is it going to be instantaneous? I don't think Ohtani's free agency impacts very many teams. So it's not like he's going to hold up the rest of the line. Mm. I think there there have been deals already made and I do believe that deals are going to be made until Otani makes his decision. But Otani is obviously at the top of the list with Dodger Baseball. Brandon Woodruff, perennial All-Star workhorse Milwaukee Brewers was non-tendered. Now he's going to miss most of 2024 shoulder surgery had right as the playoffs were to begin they do creative stuff at Dodger Stadium they might sign him to a two-year deal first year smaller amount of money do the rehab we take care of you and they do have a history of helping players through rehab second year would be an option they pick up he comes back and pitches the second year they might be the front runner for Brandon Woodruff now we also know that Blake Snell is out there We've heard the Dodgers are interested in Blake Snell, but a whole bunch of other people are interested. Only caveat there, it's Blake Snell and it's Scott Boros. You're signing one and both <laughs> right. along the way. They have open talks with the White Sox about frontline starting pitcher Dylan Cease. I was told that Chicago wants their top minor league catcher, Diego Cortella. Uh He had Bolted through the farm system, but he stalled last year at double-A. Hit like 190, which was a bit of a surprise. But they want Cartaya, and they want one of the hot young pitchers, maybe Michael Grove or Gavin Stone, in a two-for-one deal for Dylan Cease. Cease had a 3.85 ERA. He was kind of a mid-rotation guy. Pretty good pitcher. Corbin Burns is out there. That's a tradable commodity from Milwaukee. Now, would they take on the final year of his contract? but they'd have to give up something significant. So I can't see the Dodgers doing both trades. I can't see them shipping two young players to Chicago for cease, and then more players get Corbin Burns. One of those guys might be there. The other guy in the equation is Tyler Glasnow, who had moved to the front of the Tampa Bay rotation, uh, has had a history of injuries, first with the Pirates, (coughs) then in Tampa. His contract number, though, this year, coming year, goes to 25 mil. I don't know that they're going to be interested in him. And then, obviously, Snell's price tag. I hear five years, $125 million, but that's what Scott Boris is asking. Dodgers historically have never given anybody, any pitcher, a five-year transaction. So that's where we are. There's going to be a domino. It's going to fall pretty quickly involving the Dodgers, involving one of those pitchers. So item one. From left field, uh, are they going to sign Otani? Is that the guy? And two, which of the pitchers that I just ran through do you think makes the most sense?
1: Well, he, clearly, they're, like you say, at the top of the list for Otani. I still claim that the Giants have a good shot at him. Um, no, not too many people are talking
0: about that. No, only the guys doing podcasts uh, with a Giant <laughs> logo tattooed on their heart. But go yeah. ahead.
1: Um, but i I think the 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 Dodger pitching situation is interesting because if you look at all of their starters from last year, they're almost all gone. I mean like Kershaw's hurt, Arias is gone, um You know, his gonzalin is probably still
0: hurt, right? He's going to miss a chunk of next season.
1: Yeah, and then Bueller, hopefully he comes back. He's a
0: big question mark. So Dustin May won't be back till maybe June. Yeah. But then they do have the plethora of all the other young arms. I mean, there's no doubt that that was a pretty impressive group down the stretch.
1: Well, I think we knew about those good young arms, and we've all been waiting for them. But all the other, you know, the guys that have been around for a while, they're all question marks or they're gone. So the Dodgers definitely need one you know, those starters. I mean, Dylan Cease is terrific. I mean, he's a really good pitcher. So getting him would be a great move for the Dodgers. But I think they've got to give those young guys a shot. I mean, a lot of them have shown some upside. And if you keep bringing in big-name guys, then those, you know, Mike Grove and some of those other dudes don't get a shot. I mean, you're kind of hurting yourself, I think, especially if you want to, you know, get Otani. I mean, you've got to have some inexpensive guys on the roster.
0: So would you take on Cease and maybe rent Woodruff on a two-year deal? Is that the best scenario? Because I don't know that you could have... Why would you burn out your farm system if you both go get Cease and then you get Corbin Burns?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, like you say, it's either Burns or Cease, not both. Okay? And then, you know, Woodruff... It, that's more of a gamble. You know, you're hoping that after a year he's going to be good to come back. I remember the Padres did that a few years ago with a pitcher. They signed him to a two-year deal, but the first year they were injured. Who was that pitcher?
0: Guy right. had been with the Red Sox and Angels, Garrett Richards. Okay, that's who it was. Okay. And that uh,
1: didn't work out. No, that didn't work out either. So that's just a, a long shot. But I think if you had if you had a, a rotation at the beginning of the year, let's just say Dylan Cease, let's assume Bueller is back, um, and then you've got Stone, uh, or no Bobby Miller, um and those three. And then, you know, Ma- Pepio. Pepio and That's Stone. Four. That's five. So then you've got something, you know. So I don't think they need to get Cease and um Burns. Burns and Woodruff. I mean, I think they're just gonna get one of those.
0: And you haven't mentioned Kershaw, I do think Kershaw will come back on yeah. a one-year deal. But not till July or something. Post surgery. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're tracking Padres and we're tracking. Dodgers, something to look forward to uh, in the group of podcasts ahead. Now, we've got other baseball stories to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of big names here on the board, a lot of teams buying and selling.
0: Yeah, real early. And as I said at the onset, we don't have to wait for Otani to sign. He's not holding up everything that's going on behind him. Philadelphia, Aaron Nola talked to a couple of teams, never made a visit. Seven-year, $172 million deal. Guys become a co ace on the Philly staff. That's $24.5 million per season for one of the top pitchers in the National League. And that's probably the kind of dollar value that would be attached to the other marquee free agent, Blake Snell. So Aaron stays in Philadelphia. The Cardinals, I don't understand this at all. I mean, they are really short on pitching. Uh, Adam Wainwright has now officially retired, Uh, they had a lot of injuries. Uh, they've decided not to tender a couple of the young pitchers that faltered and had arm problems. Uh, we keep thinking they've got a load of outfielders, that there's going to be a big trade coming. One of those outfielders who's an everyday player is going for an arm. But the Cardinals saw Lance Lynn, gave up 44 <laughs> home runs. Now, granted, they got him at an economic price of one year, $10 million. Then they went out and got Kyle Gibson, who is the only veteran on the Baltimore Orioles staff. And he signed a two-year deal, He but he had an ERA of 4.75. So I don't quite understand why St. Louis is spending this money on those guys without making the run at Blake Snell yet. And that was one of the first teams that was reported. So don't understand what the Cardinals are doing there. Arizona, uh, they had talked to Justin Turner about jumping from Boston as a free agent. Hmm. They changed their mind. They traded with Seattle. They got x Cincinnati red Mariner slugger Eugenio Suarez come play third base. Uh, hit 26 home runs last year. Does not hit for a big average and strikes out a lot, but does hit the long ball. I think he's got 248 home runs in the course of his career. So wow. he goes to anchor uh, third base for Arizona. He'll hit home runs there at Chase Field. They also signed a top minor leaguer. His name is Andre Shaparo. Came from the Yankees. 35 home runs at A AA and A last year. First baseman. Oh, So he's gone to Arizona. So suddenly Arizona's got power on the corners that they did not have mm-hmm. before. So that's interesting. White Sox trading everybody. Uh, they make the big deal with Atlanta. They trade one of the relief pitchers to the Braves. They get once-promising Braves ace Mike Soroka. And they got number 1 draft pick pitcher Jared Schuster. Soroka's had nothing but injuries the last couple years. A lot of flukish stuff. First it was a shoulder, then it was a calf. Knocked him out for an extended period. Atlanta just moved him off the roster. So White Sox in total rebuild mode. Colorado Rockies, they need pitching everywhere. Uh, They went and they claimed Cal Quantrill from the Cleveland Guardians, the ex-Padre. So he's coming back to the National League West. He had pitched well with the Padres, pitched really well for a couple of years with Cleveland, had shoulder issues this past year, had a big contract number. The Guardian said no. Rocky said yes. So he goes immediately. He's healthy, I'm told, goes immediately in Colorado rotation. Atlanta's been moving young arms. Uh not only did they get rid of Soroka, they traded Kyle Wright to Kansas City. He was a promising starter, but he's had a year and a half of setbacks with the shoulder. They gave up on him. Atlanta did get relief pitcher Aaron Bummer uh, from, from the White Sox in the deal. And Milwaukee, fire sale. Holy cow. Just They're getting rid of everybody. Next guy to vacate, aside from the pitchers we've talked about, might be Christian Yellich. So right out of the gate. Free agent signing. So, John, pick a team there we talked about. What do you think?
1: You, you, you talked earlier about the Cardinal way. I mean, how in the hell is Lance Lynn, you know, consistent with the Cardinal way? That doesn't make any sense because usually they have really good veterans or they've got some hot young guys in their system that they bring up. And Lance Lynn ain't either one of those. He's between middle of. Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm curious. They do have a lot of outfielders, though. So something else is gonna Another shoe's going to drop. I guess this is the end of Evan Longoria, right? Did he
0: retire? Free agent. He's a free agent. But they elected not to keep him because he wasn't really productive. He's not what he used to be back in the day in Washington or even what he was San Francisco. Maybe he surfaces somewhere else, but it'll probably be at a lower price tag. He didn't do much until they got to the postseason. But then he played well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's he was third base and out Suarez. And I remember there was a time when Padre, you know, rumor mill was talking about Suarez, as obviously before Machado came here. So yeah, he's a good player. Um um, but, you know, it, it, it is interesting that it seems like, well, the Aaron Nola signing was a big deal for the Phillies. But all the other ones are kind of like smaller, medium-sized deals. I mean, there's a lot of big ones that are going to drop. You know, Blake Snell, did you see him at uh, uh, the game last night? You know, he uh, kind of kicked it off for the Seahawks. You know Seattle guy. I mean, the Mariners and Blake Snell, that could be an interesting match if the Mariners are willing to step up.
0: Do they have space on their roster for both him and Scott Boris? <laughs> knowing full well the price yeah. tag. The price yeah. tag is always stapled next to a marquee free agent name if it's a Scott Boris client, and that becomes the issue. And with the history of pitchers breaking down, if Boris is asking for five years, 125 for Blake Snell, and nobody that I know of is giving pitchers outside of maybe Garrett Cole those kind of contracts. Well,
1: Philly just did. I mean, well, so, yeah.
0: With Aaron Nola, Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, we're not done with free agency. This is the most unique aspect of free agency. And we got one month because there is a deadline with these guys. Yeah. And
1: these guys are interesting to me because they've had a great career so far in the, in, um, the, in East Asia. And now the, you can sign them and not have to give up any
0: talent. You got Japan. You got Korea. And in the month of December, these guys, their stars get posted. Okay. The guy on the left is Young-Ho Lee. He's a center fielder. Uh, Career batting average, 325. Last year, hit 350 in Korea with about 25 home runs. He's only 25. He's going to be somebody's opening day center fielder. Now, I don't know if we're talking legendary power hitter here or we're talking just good contact guy, gets on base, does hit some home runs. Young-Ho Lee is his name, and I hear the Yankees and I hear the Giants more than I hear anybody else involving him. The guy on the right is the next great pitcher coming from Japan, Yash Yamamoto. Eleven teams have already made contact. He was just posted last week. This week he started to take offers. Eleven teams, I am told, Giants, hmm. Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs supposedly he wants to play on a team that has another Asian American, Japanese or Korean player. So there's a culture linkage there. And he might want to play just on the West Coast rather than go somewhere East. You know, there have been so many great pitchers, from Yu Darvish to Dice Matsuzaka to Hideo Nomo Mm -hmm. to Kenta Maeda. To yeah. Hunjin Ru. So many great pitchers that come from Japan. And this guy is only 25 years of age. He was 16 and 6 with a 1.21 ERA. And his career in Japan, he's 75 and 30. Ooh. This is a can do guy. I don't know what the price tag is. I had one agent kind of intimate to me three year deal prove himself, go back onto the open market a second time as a free agent at age 28. another guy said, Japanese agents, five to seven year deal, because he's only 25, never had an arm problem. So it's fascinating because these guys are part of the dynamic now with Otani. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought the three premier players on the free agent list would all be from abroad?
1: Yeah, incredible. I mean, now, Talk about Lee first, you know, coming from Korea and he hit 350. But remember, Hassan Kim struggled when he came over from Korea because the velocity is like five to 10 miles an hour more. So I'm wondering if Lee is going to make the adjustment. It took Hassan Kim like a year, year and a half before he started to get productive. The Yamamoto kid, that's the guy. That, that's the guy that's legit. And what, imagine, imagine, if you will, just let's pretend that um, Yamamoto and uh, Otani like, got together, kind of like LeBron and AD, and they say, we're going to get together and be a package deal going
0: to one team. Wouldn't that be something? Well, Hasan Kim, and I don't know that this fits the Padres because of the payroll pairing that they're going to have to go through. Hasan Kim is friends with Lee but I don't think he can direct him to San Diego. Now he can fill in the blanks mm-hmm. about what's it like to come here, the culture, the friends, the food, and the adjustment in Major League Baseball. But it's really cool. I mean, these are two really good players, and Otani might be the first one goes off the board, but these guys from Korea and Japan are going to be there. And by the way, speaking of Japan, I'll just throw this in as a side note. I'm not sure what's going on with Trevor Bauer because that's proven commodity major league level, leaving for exile in Japan, does really well yokohama Bay stars. Agent has talked, I was told, five different teams. No one seems to know who. Guy can still pitch. And maybe just because of the track record of what he did to himself, maybe the price tag for Trevor Bauer is going to be a lot lower. You hmm. think that fixes in the, fits in the equation anywhere?
1: Well, he's going to find a job someplace. I mean, he is too good of a pitcher. And it's been proven that he was set up in that scam by that woman. So he deserves a second chance, you know.
0: Angels, angels, area code 714.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be a great place for him to go. Um, So he'll find a place somewhere. But it's interesting that all the talk are about these guys, Yamamoto and Lee, and not so much about Bauer.
0: And Bauer is the proven commodity, lifestyle Not accepted. (laughs) You know, (laughs) somebody else asked me over the weekend, you think Artie Moreno would do that? Nobody likes Artie Moreno right now, so what the hell's the difference if he gets a 15-game winner and the guy stays out of trouble and learns Mm -hmm. something from his bad choices –
1: Well, Angel fans always say that Artie Moreno goes for the shiny object that are hitters, not necessarily pitchers. But maybe Artie's figuring things out. They need pitching for sure.
0: Hey, we get to halftime. Before we do, let us remind you, our podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores in San Diego. John, when it comes to projects, I have two left feet. I'm not real good at projects. Now, you live in this mansion here in our Dixie Line Lumber <laughs> studios, but you got projects, whether it's shelving, whether it's kitchens, whether it's cabinets, whether it's bookcases, whether it's something outside for the deck explain to everybody on our podcast how Dixie Line Lumber becomes your best friend when it comes time for projects.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like a a lot of things I've done around the house and they've been so terrific at Dixie Line. I mean, just if you want to, you know, paint your your kitchen or your bedroom, I mean, they got a great setup there with all the paints, all the paint supplies, they'll custom color the paint for you. But it's it's interesting because it's like like a traditional hardware store but at the same time it's like a legit lumber yard that that services contractors so that they cater to the homeowner
0: and the contractor whatever you need and a reminder with the holiday season ahead you got plans you get a free dixie line gift card worth up to six hundred dollars with the purchase of selected doors window products too. fix it build it we guarantee you will enjoy it with your new best friend dixie line lumber And we hope you're enjoying our holiday bonus edition of our uh, podcast Uh, because we're doing a special uh, bonus edition for the next couple of days. We won't have the fans form at the end of our session today. But, John, what we are doing is introducing to all of our followers on our live stream broadcast our brand new Hacksaw Insiders group. We're looking for teammates to join our team. Explain how they do.
1: So, yeah, if you want to join the team. Go to lehacksawhamilton.com. In the upper right corner, there's an orange box. Fill in your name and addre- or your email address. I mean, people are signing up like every day. We're getting tons of signups. And the information that you're going to get is fabulous. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of sports information. Plus, we're going to have a lot of special events and-, and
0: things that we're cooking up in 2024 that you can be a part of. We want you to be part of our team. Team. And by the way, you like sports, you need to check my website, uh, leehacksawhamilton.com. I write on it every day. If you're not checking it, you're really missing out on a ton of information. And when you sign up, subscribe so you'll get the alerts every time we put something new on the YouTube channel, which is a lot, and give us a thumbs up because he has no friends and nobody <laughs> likes me. Give us a five-star rating. We need some friends, too. John, we go to the second half of our holiday podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, big rivalry weekend. I think we're all looking forward to this
0: Michigan-Ohio State game. Wow. 119th edition Wolverines-Buckeyes. Oh, this is all about bitter history. This is a way of life in the upper Midwest. I've been to the Horseshoe to cover that game. I've been to the Big House in Ann Arbor. You start talking about 106,000 fans every time they play. It's the last game of the season. These two schools don't like each other. Historically, the two coaches have never gotten along. This was all fueled by Bo Beckler and Woody Hayes. They were both Miami of Ohio guys, hmm. but they didn't get along. Miami of Ohio, cradle of coaches. Um, we've got... History of verbal gunfire between both Bo and Woody at the height of the rivalry. We (laughs) had the snowball game that the coaches insisted had to be played in a blizzard in 1950. The pictures of the snowball game are absolutely phenomenal. And you got coaches making unbelievable statements like Bo telling Woody at a press conference, you're my best friend but not this Saturday. Or, or, or Woody referring to those guys as the school up north. Nobody was ever allowed to invoke the word Michigan in any conversation in, inside the confines at Ohio State. And we've had games where Ohio State ran up the score. 56-point victory one game, 52-point victory the next game, and we also had Michigan wins the last two years, scoring 42 and 45 wow. against the Buckeyes. And then there was this incident. Woody was beating Bo by more than 40 points in one game. And they scored a touchdown at the end of the game. And Woody went for a two-point conversion while they're blowing <laughs> him out. So, so the post-game press conference, there's all this history of, why would you do that? And Woody said, well, I don't know that there's a rule for a three-point play, but if there was a three-point play, I would have run that one too. Mm-hmm. So there's great history. This game, they're both 11-0. and 0. Somebody's going to get bumped. I don't know if somebody's going to fall out of the top four in the college playoff poll, but you got two versus three. Somebody could take a hit here. Kyle McCord, unbelievable season, sophomore, Ohio State. Quarterback's throwing for 2,900 yards and 22 touchdowns. Has not gotten any national recognition for what he's done. But he's done really well. And Marvin Harrison, who might be a Heisman Trophy candidate, wide receiver, son of the NFL receiver, 62 catches, over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns this season. So he's really good. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, 18 touchdown passes. He's had a brilliant season. Young guy, 2,335 yards passing. The two running backs between him, uh, B.J. Corum and Don Edwards, have a combined 1,800 yards rushing. Michigan's defense. John, these, these statistics are amazing. You have the ball going against Michigan's defense. Mm-hmm. Michigan's only given up 234 yards per game. Wow, that's Def- incredible. Oh, yeah, it is incredible. Yeah. And on third down, only 30% conversion rate and 19 turnovers. So Michigan, Ohio State, my God, what a rivalry. And if you're a West Coast guy who's never been east of the rockies (laughs) you can't identify with it i mean it's like nothing i've experienced Now, i grant you i broadcast usc ucla and i went to a civil war game oregon oregon state those are pretty intense and those are a lot of fun and very colorful but this thing it's like a war it's amazing so you got michigan ohio state you got the civil war game oregon oregon state they have not announced a contract extension, because with Oregon leaving, Washington leaving, the whole Pac-12 living, a lot of bitterness. Oregon, Oregon State, this is for all the marbles. Uh, they f- first started playing the Civil War in 1890. It's just great. There have been 45-42 games. There have been 3 nothing games and rain and mud. It's just really a really cool series. Jonathan Smith has done such a great job at Oregon State. The big question at this hour... Might this be his final home game? Jonathan Smith is being pursued by Michigan State. Hmm. He's an Oregon State guy. He played there under Dennis Erickson, did really well. Went off, became a assistant coach, became a hot coordinator, and got the head coaching job. He's done a marvelous job in Corvallis. Might this be his last game? Uh, the Ducks... 546 yards per game offensively. Wouldn't you love to see Oregon play Michigan's defense? Wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Bo Nix, 35 touchdowns, only two interceptions for the Ducks. He's thrown for over 3,500 yards. I think Oregon State's going to try to run the damn ball. Uh, Damian Martinez, uh, almost 1,200 yards on the ground for the Beavers. They might just try to play powerball and keep Bo Nix off the field. So that's the second big rivalry game. Third one will be the Apple Cup. Now, they're doing it different across the border, whereas the guys in Oregon are really pissed at each other over this Pac-12 thing. Washington, Washington State just announced an eight-year extension for the Apple Cup. Oh, nice. So they're going to continue that rivalry. Um, Washington has climbed into fourth spot in the college football polls. Um, Michael Penix... 30 touchdowns on the season, nearly 3,700 yards passing. What a mystical year the Huskies quarterback has had. And Washington's offense, 423 yards per game. Uh, Washington State's got a really good quarterback in Cam Ward, but their defense has not held up the back half of the schedule. So those are the three marquee games. I wish you could have experienced Bo Woody. I mean, I I know you're a West Coast dude, San Francisco, and you'd probably quote me song and dance. The game Stanford. <laughs> I remember that. Cal. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody understands Stanford Cal for the band. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers Ohio State Michigan for Bow and Woody. So what do you think of the games?
1: Well, yeah, that, that the the game. Remember that crazy one? That was John Elway's last college football game. Joe
0: Starkey yelling into the radio. <laughs> yeah. The band is on the field. The band is on the field.
1: Funny. The, guy, the trombone guy gets knocked out. Um, so yeah, this, this Michigan Ohio State. I mean, this is the big rivalry in all of college football. I am so sick and tired of Ohio State. You know, it's like it was always Ohio State, Alabama. We're always in the playoff. And, you know... I know people that are Ohio State people, you know, and they just love chirping about their team. And I'm just so tired of them. So I find myself rooting for the, I I guess, the dark side for Michigan. Am I rooting for? The
0: official colors are maize and blue.
1: Yeah. Okay. well, I'm kind of rooting, I think, for Michigan. You called Michigan as being maybe the the best team in the nation that might finish the year up as number one. I mean, do you think
0: they're going to win this game? Who's favored? I think Michigan has to be favored. And I cannot imagine what it will be like in the six one four area code Saturday night for Ryan Day if Ohio State loses a third straight game, and they could mm. Michigan is the complete team, whether you are pro or anti Harbaugh Michigan is a great football team,
1: yeah, and in the other games i I want a West Coast team to win the national championship. So I just want to see Oregon and Washington take care of business. But it is kind of cool that this is rivalry week. Um, there were some rivalry games last weekend, I think. But even some teams have their rivalry weekends earlier in the year, like the, the uh, Bedlam with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And that rivalry is going out
0: the window. So a lot of change in here. OK, so big weekend college football. Uh, let's talk hoops because there is stuff going on here. Yeah, so, I mean, college hoops, or excuse me,
1: we're going to talk about these guys first, right?
0: Let's talk about this. We're talking about the the end of the run. Aztecs play Fresno State. Meaningless game for San Diego State. Really bad season. Important game for Fresno State. Can they get into the playoffs in the Mountain West Conference? I've had injury problems at quarterback. But the bigger storyline should be, and, and sadly, nobody in this community seems to be talking about it nor care about it. Uh, these two guys saved San Diego State football. Talking about Brady Hoke, talking about his predecessor, Rocky Long. Their combined record between those two guys is 120 wins, 69 losses, and mm. all those bowl games. And they inherited a program that had 11 straight losing seasons. and really fallen off the radar. Uh, had not done anything since the 1990s in the Marshall Falk, very early years. So, Brady, very emotional. His press briefings this week. Rocky, of course, went back to New Mexico, then went to Syracuse. They just fired uh, the staff at Syracuse. So Rocky is probably headed back this way to retirement, but I don't think he wants to coach any longer. But history should write, Rocky Brady saved San Diego State football. Whether people like the style or not, that record, 120-69, and is really impressive. And I, I just think that... There are a lot of people, a lot of alumni, student body, that owe oh, those guys, including Brady, despite the bad season, all oh, those guys a real special thank you because they saved this thing. You know, way back in the 70s, there was talk that they were going to fold the program. They were going to do at San Diego State what was done at Pacific and Cal State Fullerton and, mm-hmm. and Redlands. They were going to eradicate college football because they weren't winning and it was draining uh, the the coffers of the school, but those two guys saved it. So, I think they're honorable men. <laughs> I say thank you, and I, I'm going to miss them.
1: Well, you've had a relationship with Brady. I mean, you guys chat and hang out a little bit, but you know, I'll tell you what, the, the fans, it seems like there's this mixed feeling, right? You know, on one hand, we're like, yeah, they saved the pro, they saved our, our program. And yeah, Hoke was a winner and we loved him and he's an honorable guy. But other people are saying, good riddance. Let's get him out of here. Let's get in a new coach. They do need to, how should I say, uh, reform the system so they can have a high-powered West Coast offense. Uh, so hopefully the new guy comes in and is going to take care of it. But I think you have to tip your hat to Brady Hoke, on the way out the door, even though this year and last year have been so frustrating.
0: And I think, I think the reality is San Diego State has really suffered with the NIL issue, and the transfer portal has hurt them. They've, I counted they've lost six offensive linemen in two years. Ooh. Who have left for a wide variety of reasons. A couple defected, went to the NFL, should have never ever done that. Others went into the transfer portal and got taken up by other schools and some are playing and some are not playing. So the, the landscape of college football at this level, the group of five level, has really drastically changed. Mm. And I could read between the lines and I'm a big believer in body language that that Brady was really upset that he could not control what college football had become. They don't have a lot of NIL money Mm -hmm. and they kept getting their kids cherry-picked by Pac-12 schools, Big Ten schools. It was a big issue and I think his frustration point was, was really sad. But it was interesting at the press conference so we got done there was hardly anybody there at the press briefing, and Brady always wraps up says, any other questions, men? <laughs> <laughs> so I raised my hand, and I said, hey, from this side of the room, coach, we want to thank you for being a stand-up guy and hanging in there every Tuesday when we kept asking you questions about being in third and long for your whole life on offense. Mm-hmm. He answered all the questions. And I said, "Yes, yeah, sometimes we had to dig through three feet of coach speak to actually get the good quotes that we wanted from you, but we did that. And then I laughed at him. I said, while you were lecturing us about how to do our job, I said, I just picked up my cell phone and on my cell phone, your wife has just put on social media the honeydew list for you when you <laughs> retire. And I'll tell you, it's as thick as this press release. So you <laughs> might want to consider coaching again, but... I, I and I said hey in all honesty the general consensus is Brady Hoke Rocky Long Brady Hoke saved San Diego State football. So I'm going to miss exchanging gunfire with him every Tuesday but uh whoever they hire I sure hope it has offensive genius stapled to his resume and his driver's license.
1: Yeah, I mean we hope so too and I some of the candidates they've been t- discussing sound interesting. I mean again it's still very early but uh Wicker said he's going to make a decision quickly,
0: though, didn't he? I would think in two weeks we'll have a new leader of Aztec football. I just hope it's somebody with offense in his DNA. Okay, let's go from college football. Let's go to basketball. Yeah, all of these
1: tournaments that are going on over the holiday weekend and, and great storylines.
0: Yeah, let's start with UCLA. You know, they went to the Maui Classic, and they almost beat Marquette, which is pretty doggone good, and they had Gonzaga right on the ropes right at the end. But what a job Mick Cronin has done uh, UCLA's got a foreign legion roster. You know, and college basketball's really changed. If you got pipelines and you can recruit Europe, and if you can recruit to a degree South Africa, boy, there's a, play, a lot of players coming to NCAA Division I programs, and their roster is made up of some really unique people. <clears throat> they have a 7-3 center from Spain, Ade Bora. And he's really active offensively, and he takes up a lot of space and changes the direction of shots defensively. They went to Nigeria, and they got a 6'10 power forward, Adem Boa. Cleans the glass, rebounder, scores a little bit. And then they just got approval from the NCAA, the transfer of a 6'9 forward center from Turkey, Burke Bayuk tensel He's struggling a little bit with this game, but he was, he's was playing in the pro leagues over there. So he's got his whole future in, ahead of him. And I got Sebastian Mack, who's a real stroker and a guard. So Mick Cronin, this foreign legion, these, all, these guys have all shown up and they can play right now. And they're playing right now. So this UCLA season, going into the Pac-12, coming out, going towards March Madness, because of the foreign legion, this is a really fascinating team to look at meanwhile san diego state aztecs vintage brian dutcher they're four and one on the season and we talked extensively about Jaden ledee and I, i had said way back i'm glad he came back he did not go into the draft he got evaluated could have gone into the draft would have been somebody's second round pick might have been in the g league whatever Come back for his last year. I mean, he's scored 21, 24, 27, and 34 points in the last group of games. And this is with defenses collapsing on him, et cetera. Uh, This this guy might turn out to be one of the best big men uh, in the country. Uh, The Aztecs are set at point guard. Reese Waters has come in, got off the bus from Southern Cal, stroking it. He's given him real firepower uh, in place of Matt Bradley, who went to Europe after he finally graduated um, and you got Butler, you got Trammell, once he gets healthy. Um, the the key guys to me are the bookend forwards. They have to get point production out of Micah Parrish, who can shoot threes. Mm-hmm. He's in his second year. as Now he's a starter. And the young kid, uh, Elijah Sanders, I think they will. They're going to have to develop some offense coming off the bench because right now the contributions from any of the guys as the sixth, seventh, and eighth men is almost negligible. And historically, that last group of years— Aztecs, when they they looked down that bench, here came a rope. And here came Seiko, the three-point shooters. So they're going to have to get some points because the starters are playing an awful lot of minutes. But they battered St. Mary's, and they got involved in the shootout with Washington. They beat Long Beach, and Long Beach the next game went to Michigan and beat the Wolverines. Mm -hmm. And coming up, they're going to play Gonzaga. So UCLA, San Diego State basketball. Wow.
1: Yeah, big time. Wow. And imagine that he scored 100 points in that game against Washington. So it's amazing because they used to be all defense, right? Now we've got a good offense. And Jaden Lede is player of the year. I mean, this guy is incredible. So, yeah, the Aztecs, great. Now I mean, You're wondering after what the great season last year, how they would do this year. But they're right on track. Um Going back to UCLA, though, it just seems that the whole history and the John Wooden era and everything almost, I don't know, does it hold UCLA back? Because we still think of UCLA from you know their, their glory days, and they've never been quite the same. But now finally, they're maybe competitive again, but they only seem to like, well, they won the national championship once in the 90s, but they haven't really...
0: Done that much, right? I mean, now, the landscape has changed. Yes, yeah. the minute you look at that UCLA logo, my mind automatically goes to John Wooden, yes, Bill Walton, Lou Alcindor, yeah. and just the myriad of great players that wore UCLA colors. But you know, they they had some really good years under Jim Herrick, and mm-hmm. but this is a different time and place with transfer portals, NILs, and now going abroad, and Mick Cronin. Much like the coach down in, at Arizona, they got a pipeline to foreign players. Oh, yeah. For him to come up with three bigs and get them all eligible immediately and come in, and two of them are playing standout basketball, the third one will get there. I am so impressed with Cronin's ability to go find unique and really different players. Uh, I think March Madness will be fun because it's going to have a UCLA element. I don't know if it'll have a USC element. It might have the San Diego State element again going forward, so get a lot to look forward to.
1: Well, doesn't it kind of remind you a little bit of Randy Bennett and St. Mary's? That forum pipeline yep. kind of thing. It's cool, but you know, talking about other good teams, BYU is still playing really well. Did you see that fight between the BYU player and the Arizona State player? Yeah, I heard about it. They got tangled up. A guy got punched in the face. So, uh, but BYU is tough. You know, I think they're ranked like number 12 or 14, somewhere around there. And you
0: haven't mentioned Gonzaga yet.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And so, how did
0: Gonzaga get good? From abroad. From abroad.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, San Diego State only has one loss, but it is to a very good team.
0: Okay, on we go from college basketball. we got something to talk about hockey.
1: Yeah, hockey news here. A little Olympics, World Cup. What do you got here, oh, it's Lee?
0: a big issue in the National Hockey League right now with Gary Bettman as the commissioner. As you know, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, will be coming up, and they were not in the last Olympics. And the NHL, which had initially said, hey, we want our players to go through this experience of playing for the flag. But the problem they had was, who takes care of any player that gets hurt in the Olympics? There's a big insurance issue. Then the second thing is, how does it impact our schedule? We don't think we should stop our NHL season in January, take a two-week hiatus so these guys can go play abroad. So they have not gone back to the Olympics now, the last two or three Olympics. There's a conversation going on right now of starting up again what I guess would be called the World Cup of Hockey. And they had done this before, was way back in the 70s and 80s, it was, it was to have NHL stars play the Russian professionals. Mm-hmm. And that was during the era of the Iron Curtain. Well, that, the, that was flashy and that happened. And there's history that surrounds all that, the international games. Well, there's talk now about an international tournament. I don't understand Gary Bettman's thinking. He's proposed, because they don't want to shut down for two weeks, he's proposed a one-week midseason season tournament. Um but it would only involve four countries. USA, mm-hmm. Canada where the game was born, Sweden and Finland. And there's a ton of Scandinavians that are are playing in the NHL now. Yeah. So I asked the question to myself the other day, uh Russia? All the European countries? Why are you excluding them? You you, you don't want Alexander Ovechkin? The future Hall of Famer Washington Capitals mm-hmm. to play in a UNHL international tournament? How can that be? So the the union's going to get involved in this. But, you know, my theory is, OK, if you only want to have four teams so you can make it work worthwhile with a schedule, just have U.S. Canada, have a Scandinavian team, and then have a European team that can encompass every other guy. Because there's players from Belarus, and there's players from Latvia, and obviously— so many really good Russian players, Putin notwithstanding. <laughs> so you, you got to allow everybody to come. Yeah. Don't. So we'll see where this goes, but the the union's going to have some involvement here. They want to limit it to four. We'll do it. Team USA, Team Canada, Team Scandinavia, Team Europe. That's my solution if I were king.
1: Yeah, well, if you're going to have a World Cup, then don't limit it to four. I mean, limit. You know, let's make it a real World Cup, because, like to your point, you know, there's a lot of other nations. I mean, Austria usually has a pretty good team, um, and you were talking about what was it? Nor was it Finland and Sweden, but what about Norway? You oh, know. Team Scandinavia. Well, if you if you lump them all together, sure. But then it, you know. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, hope that they can work out a deal to get them in the Olympics because I think that's where this would be terrific. You know, on a nation by nation basis. Yeah, but
0: baseball doesn't stop its season for two weeks so somebody can go play world baseball but but
1: but european soccer does the nba is sort of kind of doing that now with their in-season tournament so i like this idea of having in-season tournaments but yeah it's disruptive to the schedule but just hopefully they can work it out
0: we'll see where it goes a lot of negotiations still to come last topic on the table involves the media the media oh my goodness (laughs) this story is not going to go away yeah,
1: I mean, you were you were uh, you know we were talking about this before that she lied on TV.
0: I mean, what, what's going on? Carissa Thompson was a field reporter for NFL games on Fox, and she admitted last week that she made up stories when they go to her down on the sidelines for an update, made up stories or coming out of the locker rooms, made up stories, and she admitted she, in essence, lied on TV because I couldn't get access to the information. You know, they have this thing where Carissa Thompson and all the other sideline reporters, male or female, will talk to the coach, either coming off the field or coming out. And some of the coaches are blowing her off. And, you know, coaches are in her own focused world. Yes. And, you know, half of them are complimentary, half of them are pissed off because they're losing. So she said, no, I just wasn't getting anywhere with any of these guys, so I just made up generic comments. How the hell can you do that? Here's the background And I, as voice of the Chargers and voice of the Seahawks, I was always upset because the network people, their broadcast teams, got inner access that we were never ever allowed to have. Mm. They would have long, extended meetings with the coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators. They'd get to sit down in the lunchroom with star players, fringe players. They'd spend a whole day interviewing different people to gather all this data and all this information. The beat writers broadcasters, we get 15 minutes with Justin Herbert, or we'd get 15 minutes with the coach, or if on the odd occasion, we'd get the chance to talk to the GM. So the networks were getting unbelievable access. Of course, they're paying enormous amounts of money. But what she did by making this junk up, and it was just generic, creative stuff, mm. and the coach never talked to her, and she said, the coach said, da-da-da-da. Well, coaches don't really say that much coming on and off the field. But I think it was irresponsible. It damaged her credibility, and it impacted all the other women who do good work on the NFL telecast. I get to know Tracy Wilson uh, with Jim Nance's team, CBS. I think it's spectacular. Uh, so I got a real problem with that. you know. And you need to have inner smarts. You're, you're going to be the on-field reporter, so you're— covering a Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game. You need to have a lot of angles to storylines involving the Bengals, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. So you need to show up with a lot of data that you researched because not everybody around the country knows the inner workings of what's happened with the Bengals or the history of the Bengals, whatever it is. You need to do that rather than just showing up and sitting and hoping you get some quotes from a coach. You need to have knowledge Of the teams that you're covering, so you can, and you develop those stories on Friday and Saturday. She did not do that. So that's the problem I have. I'll give you a prime example. If I were the sideline reporter and say we're talking about Cincinnati Pittsburgh, okay, so I would develop on the left side of my notepad a whole bunch of storylines off the top of my head Joe Burrow injury, your offensive line has been terrible. Tell me about Logan Wilson, your young linebacker that you discovered from BYU who's been a stud. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the inner workings of the Bengals and why you were bad for so long and why you never spent money in free agency. That's the kind of stuff you need to go into these meetings to compile all the information so we can come back on Sunday Mm -hmm. on Fox TV. You can relay different angles to the story, even if the coach doesn't want to talk to you. Even if Zach Taylor blows you off. Right. You've got all these other stories you Mm -hmm. can still talk about. That's what the job of Carissa Thompson and these other sideline reporters uh, should be. I'm sorry. She just comes off like a pretty face wearing bling. And I think, think she did a disservice to all the other female sideline reporters from the Lisa Salters, uh, Andrea Kramers, etc. And she hasn't been removed. And that really stuns me. And she admitted openly she did this a whole bunch of times. Why are you still on my TV on Fox Sports? <laughs> now, here's the alternative, Carissa. Mm-hmm. Just walk down the hallway. Other side of the building, Fox News. Go to work for them. We know all their anchors lie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just stunned that she would do this because I think it, it really damages not just her credibility, but it hurts all the other sideline reporters and especially the females who have had to walk through a lot of tough times to get credited to get access, Mm -hmm. and to get respected by the players. What are you doing? End of sermon. And John says... Fake
1: fake news, right? (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's not just a disservice to other women reporters. It's to the whole industry. I mean, we don't want to see people making stuff up. Um, But, you know, don't you find that those... Those interviews, like going out of the half or coming into the second half are just kind of a waste of time, you know, because you never get anything substantive. The coach is already kind of halfway leaning, wants to get to the sideline or get to the clubhouse. Um, I just think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just sort of a, a nonsense ritual in these games now. It sure looks like. Window dressing? Yes, exactly. So to your point, yeah, that if you, you should have all this backup data so that if you do get blown off or they do give you, you know, canned answers. You don't have to use them. You don't have to use them. You can use some other stuff that you did in research. And by the way, they got all that access. And it's shocking that a play by play for the radio doesn't have the same access as the play by play for the TV. You think they would. I mean, because you
0: guys are promoting their product. Yeah. They paid more money than we paid, and we paid a lot of money for the radio rights. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the uh, prime example is okay, you don't get access to Zach Taylor, the coach, or he gives you a bunch of generic junk. This, who cares? Right. But you come on and you say, Joe Burrow has a severe wrist injury. Mm -hmm. because you did your research, you understand it's Joe Burrow's third major injury in four years. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Joe Burrow has been sacked 124 times in four years because they never figured out the offensive line. (laughs) And by the way, they picked up Kansas City Chief left tackle Orlando Brown to try to fix that, and they're still giving up a lot of sacks. So there's data there that you can use because the average citizen in Painesville, Ohio, watching the broadcast— may not know all the background of why Joe Burrow got hurt or how he keeps getting hurt. That's the job that Carissa Thompson yeah. should be doing. Yes. Well, we need to get
1: you as a sideline reporter. You don't quite have the bling of Carissa. But, you know, Scott Kaplan's been doing that
0: for quite a while. Mm-hmm. You, you think he does a pretty good job? does on radio, but he has limited time. Yeah. When... We did the Chargers. We had three in the broadcast booth. We did not have a sideline guy, but the three in the broadcast booth, we exchanged gunfire all the time. And Mm -hmm. as the play-by-play voice, I gave Jim Laslovic and Pat Curran and Chet Forty and Billy Warndale a fair amount of time so they could talk back and forth. It was almost like they were starting to do a talk show in and around the Mm play-by-play. I went to Seattle. We had a three-man broadcast crew, one in the booth, a former player, great guy, Steve Rabel. And we had a reporter on the sideline, Ronnie Callen. And I went to them. I went to Ron all the time. Nice. I mean, he was like third in the booth, but he was down walking the Seahawks sideline with Dennis Erickson and and Mike Holmgren. So there's ways to do it. And the whole thing is you're creating content. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. She's pretty. She wears bling. I understand all that. But that doesn't appeal to a hardcore football fan that needs to know. And now she lied about it and she made up a bunch of junk. Yeah. It just blew my mind. She's still on TV.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's about credibility, and this is your industry. You want to have integrity. But, you know, in Major League Baseball, they're putting these reporters in the dugout.
0: And they're interviewing the the guys, which is, this is the first time this ever happened during the game. You just hit a home run. Tell me about the pitch. What'd you think going to the plate? Da, 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 da. Can you imagine they did that in the NFL? I don't know if they would put up with that. No, I don't think they could. Yeah so anyhow hey listen our podcast is a bonus edition uh we won't have fans form right now but that will return when we get back to our regular schedule podcast is brought to you by Line lumber and home center stores nine locations in san diego to serve you been in business for more than 100 years you got projects for fall for christmas into the winter next year You need a best friend. Your best friend when it comes to projects will be Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John, quickly tell everybody about the fact we need another teammate to sit at the table with us. Oh, yeah. So, you
1: know, there's all kinds of opportunities to get people involved. I mean, this podcast, the two of us, we get together a couple of times a week, but we want to get you know, all of you involved, too. And that's why we started the Hacksaw's Insiders Group. You can go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com, show up, sign up, and, and be part of that team. We've got a lot of stuff planned there. Plus, we, we we normally do the fans forum, but we got a bunch of social media comments. Can we get to some of those? Go ahead and fire away quickly. OK, we'll go quickly. Here's uh, one here about the Chargers meltdown. This is from Blazing Shackles. He says, Hacksaw, you're a hack. He didn't melt down, And it's not his fault the receivers can't catch. We've seen coach after coach after coach come and go over the last 30 years and still no championship. The one thing that remains the same is the team's owner, Spanos. When are you hacks and pundits going to place the blame where it belongs, on
0: Spanos's head? Well, they call themselves the first family of football blaze. Uh, They're currently in last place in the AFC West. It is a problem. It is a Spanos problem. I concur with you. But that being said, this is Brandon Staley's team front page of Brandon Staley's resume talked about his defensive accomplishments with Sean McVay when he was coordinator with the Rams and the other places he's been he bears responsibility for what's happening on game day the X's and O's the schemes of formations and to a degree the roster decisions so yeah he melted down and instead of him lecturing the media don't ask me that question ever again hey dude scoreboard does not lie You're 31st in the league in defense. You're 32nd in the NFL pass (laughs) defense. You are what your record says you are, and that's not very good right now. So I don't quite agree with you that I should not be banging on Brandon Staley because the whole world is banging on Brandon Staley right now. But in the big picture of things, yeah, you are correct. First family of footballs in last place in the AFC West, (laughs) and that's gone on and on and on since 19. Eighty-four. Am I right or am I right? Yeah, it's like Bill
1: Parcells, right? You are yeah. what your record says you are. Um, and, you know, a lot of the fans were saying, like, you know, you can't blame Staley for these receivers dropping passes and everything else. But, you know, if it's, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? You know, and, and who's the, the the focal guy here? I mean, Staley bears blame. But, you know, the rest of the, the front
0: office, you know, it, it just doesn't – it's not working. What I don't understand is you have all week – to prepare, you have had preseason prior to that. You had OTAs. There is no reason the Quinton Johnston, the number one pick, should not be further involved in running routes and catching balls. You're paying him a lot of money as a number one pick, you desperately need him. You needed to coach him up every stop along the way, yeah. And you know, they. The union says, well, you only have so much time on the field with those guys. That does not mean your quarterback cannot have special sessions, side sessions, where they're running specific routes and he's got to catch the ball. Instead, he's dropping balls, and he did this at TCU. And so, I mean, that's just one example. I don't know how you solve the mess in the secondary because they're playing all the guys they got on the roster, and they've still not been able to find the right guys. And I told you the story the week prior. Asante Samuel, who's been burned a bunch of times, made a bunch of plays, but burned a bunch of times. Asante Samuel is on a pass route Sunday in Green Bay. Guy runs a slant and is open. Samuel's behind him. Ball goes way over his head. Samuel's jumping up and down like <laughs> I did. Yeah, <laughs> hell, you did nothing. Jordan Love overthrew the receiver. Mm-hmm. Next play, Samuel ran up the back of the guy. Pass interference. Big play led to the game-winning touchdown. Unbelievable. That kind of junk is just continues to go on and on and on. Okay, next social media shot.
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's get another shot in here. And this is about the Padres. This is from Sean. He says. Waka and Lugo were no-brainers to bring back. Snell and Hayter would be nice if you could get them on a reasonable deal, but less likely. A purge needed to happen with the goal of having better balance on offense, being more consistent. The young arms could help during a long season but the goal is to be playing the best baseball at the end and good enough to make the second season. Winning division does not matter with the current playoff structure.
0: Here's the situation, yes. They they got one-year rentals that worked out. They put option clauses in those rentals. If those guys had good seasons, they could come back at a much higher price. That being said, the option dollar number on Waka and Lugo and even Nick Martinez is pretty high. I don't think you can afford to pay your third and fourth starters and your long reliever $16 million apiece. That's too high. So they rented them. It worked out. They'll dive back in, find some more rentals. Hopefully those guys will be good as the guys that left. The other um, oddball part of this is you know these some of these guys have health issues, so even though agent says opt out, take you to free agency. Hell, they still might be sitting here the second week of February without a contract because mm. nobody's going to be willing to give Waka, who's had three different shoulder issues, willing to give him three years at mega money. So then the Padres dive back in and say, "Come back, you had a good season. We'll give you a bit of a pay bump. Maybe we'll give you two years instead of just the one year." There's a way if these guys—but these guys may still be out there a a ways down the road. The question is, how long can A.J. wait if he can't get him re-signed? Because then other guys will start coming off the board and going to other places. And in terms of Soto, I I tend to think that every one of the guys in that batting order who had a substandard season, and they all did statistically, they're going to bounce back. But the problem is their payroll issue, and the problem is if you try to trade Soto— you're not going to get back what you traded for him. You traded six. You traded the whole farm system to get him. Somebody else is not going to give you the whole farm system to rent him for one year with the hope they can convince Scott Boris to stay. So Padres, Padres are painted into a really tough corner. And now they, as we talked about last week, John, there are nine pitchers gone from last year's pitching staff. Nine. Nine. <laughs> wow. You know, that's yeah. big names, that's bottom of the r- roster names, mm-hmm. that's AAA guys. They're gone. They're all on the open market, and I don't know if you can get them back. So Padres have a... a-, a- fascinating, very important couple of weeks of baseball going into December, going towards the winter meetings.
1: Well, thank goodness they didn't sign Lance Lynn. Okay. So that's good. (laughs) Um, But you know, the Lugo and Waka and Martinez, those guys are going to get paid, man. I mean, the the other teams desperately need pitching. So they're going to work out a deal. I'm certain of it. Uh, The Padres may be on the short end of that. And if they lose out on these guys to come back, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. It's not like they're the Dodgers, have all these young kids that are ready to come up. So they could be in some trouble here.
0: We'll see where this goes. Uh, like I said last week, probably some trades for one-year rentals to stabilize it. And there'll, there'll be other guys out there that they can find that they've scouted. I mean, when they signed those three pitchers out of Japan, when Suarez came here and Garcia came here and, and Nick Martinez, and I, I knew about Garcia, and he had done well as a reliever in St. Louis till he got hurt. I said, well, maybe one of these will work out. Well, all three of them worked out to different degrees, just like Waka and and Lugo worked out. So there'll be some guys out there that AJ will find because AJ's got boots on the ground, lots (laughs) of different places. But he better because otherwise... That coach is not going to have a pitching staff, and that's a big, big issue. A couple more here on social media. All right. You've got to hear from your days at Extra 690. This
1: is for thanks for subscribing. He says, wow, great memories. (laughs) I always tell people I listened to Romy before anybody knew who he was. The basement days, Extra Sports
0: 690. Well, we had a unique team. We're going to do a salute to Sports Talk Radio and Extra 690 somewhere down road, when we have time to put it all together. But it was a unique time. I think what made it so special is we were the first ones on the block to do it. At that point, sports talk radio did not exist in Southern California as it does now. Uh, we were the first ones through the wall, and we were fortunate to have an owner that put us on a 77,000 watt blowtorch signal that you could hear from Baja to the Canadian Rockies up and down the West Coast day and night. So we're very proud of what we did. And each of the guys was very successful in different things. And some of us are still doing it very well. Well, back when they made the move to go 24-7 sports,
1: were people saying, you guys are crazy, this is never going
0: to work? Because, you know, no one's really ever done it. I mean, my whole life in radio was Mm -hmm. in, in radio, News Talk Sports Radio. I went, the owner brought it up to me and dummy that I was are you sure about this you sure this is going to work <laughs> without paying attention to the fact that <clears throat> nobody had done it on the west coast uh and we were on a 77,000 watt blowtorch signal that you could hear everywhere now WFAN in New York was the first to launch WIP in Philadelphia was the second we were right there we were the third then came EEI in Boston and then it just it finally exploded but uh, so we were the first through the wall, and nobody had ever done it since. And with apologies to what's being done right now, nobody's done what we did with the type of personalities that we did very expensive format to be in it is not a cheap format whatsoever Mm -hmm. you do have to have a good quality play-by-play anchor Mm -hmm. to be successful and we did as the chargers were bad the chargers got good and it kind of made our station and then corporate radio came in and changed everything so yeah we'll do we're going to do a special (laughs) salute to sports talk radio back in the day somewhere down road okay you want
1: to get a couple more in here yeah Okay, let's let's go here. Talk a little bit about uh, the Aztecs and Brady Hoke. And this is from Dodger 607. He says the smaller conferences need to start thinking out of the box collectively and not try to be accepted by the power five schools,
0: which they will never be. Well, the issue is if if you're a group of five and you're good, if you're San Diego State, if you were Boise State, you got following and you're in a bigger market, if you get To that next level, if you get into the Pac-12, Pac-2, whatever it's going to be called, you'll be able to recruit better players. Now, whether or not that's going to allow you to trigger bigger pools of NIL money, that's very debatable. San Diego State, for a, a marketplace as big as it is, for as many alumni as live here, they just don't have much NIL football money. And that's a real problem. Now, that's going to change because the NCAA's new executive director, Charlie Baker, is going to get control of the NIL, and they will come up with a different structure. And they're going to tighten the transfer portal that John Riley, you can only go into the portal one time. You can only transfer one time. They're going to stop the cherry-picking that's gone on. But every, everybody in the group of five, I mean, I've, I've got all kinds of friends in the Mid-American Conference at Ohio, at Toledo, at Western Michigan, at Bowling Green, Miami. They all got the same problems. Limited NIL money and getting cherry-picked from the Big Ten or the Big 12 that come in and suddenly steal your top-right tackle or your quarterback or your running back. You know, the top running back at UCLA is a transfer from Ball State. Oh, wow. Think think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback. Uh, Came from. He was a record-setting quarterback at Kent State. He wound up at UCLA for his his final season. So they're they're gonna the group of fives are probably gonna get this thing solved with the new leadership at the NCAA. But if you go to the Pac-12, and that's on your business card, that opens up a lot more recruiting doors. Now, do you have the wherewithal? Do you have the money to be able to stay in the race with the established Washingtons and Southern Cal's, et cetera? Mm -hmm. So that's that's a long-winded answer to your short question. But yeah. There's nothing wrong with being in the Mountain West. I happen to think it's a really colorful con- conference community. The fans sure don't seem to like it. They seem to think it's real substandard, sub-tier. You're a fan. You tell me. you, you a Mountain West fan, or do you think, nah. Well, I went to a number of the games when the Aztecs
1: played at Qualcomm. Um, and they were always pretty entertaining, a lot of fun. You know, it was relatively inexpensive to go. And I've been to the one at Snapdragon. It was a lot more money. Um, You know, I I was intrigued by this Dodger 607 guy saying, think out of the box. And I was thinking to myself, what could the group of five schools do to make them special and different? Because, you know, remember in baseball, the American League had the designated hitter. They did something different. What if I'm just thinking spitball in here, but what if the group of five changed their rules to be like Canadian football? And so it was a more wide open, more dynamic offensive game. Might that make it more sexy? Spitballs are illegal,
0: John. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what they what they could do is, and I think this is obvious part and parcel of what they might do, is work out alliances and scheduling. So you get some big names that actually come to your building. Mm-hmm. If the Oregon Ducks were coming here to play the Aztecs, I think you'd, you'd draw a nice crowd. But Obviously, the UCLA didn't draw a big crowd, though. Mm-hmm. That, that's because the aura of Aztec football right now is in a down cycle. The prices are way too high. It's a it's an issue they got to find a a working relationship to reestablish this with the community and they got to throw the football.
1: Well, maybe if they could just have Dolly Parton for the halftime show. Oh, I'd be there. <laughs> You'd be there. Yeah, wasn't that amazing?
0: <laughs> Seventy seven years old, man. That's unbelievable. So that's where we are. But you are correct. You know, be who you can be. I'll be intrigued to see two years from tonight as we're doing this podcast. If there is a Mountain West movement and everybody goes to the PAC-2 with Oregon State, Washington State, then how, how do the communities respond? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I it's gonna be fascinating to see what they end up doing.
0: Okay, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Friday bonus package coverage. We'll be back with our regular schedule next week. We thank you for being with us. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center stores. Nine locations, over a hundred years of experience, your best friend when it comes to projects around your home or business. That's Dixie Line Lumber. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. He's gonna be on the road next week. We're gonna to try to to do something a little bit different <laughs> so just hold our hand and hope that we can get through our zoom calls but john have yourself a great holiday and we'll catch you on monday yeah
1: black friday ball games tonight too yeah.
0: and you have yourself a great sports weekend thanks for being with us on hacksaw's headlines join us again for hacksaw's headlines on youtube facebook and twitter and find the audio version on your favorite podcast app San Diego! for more content go to leehacksawhamilton.com.